from Table to Podcast with Agniti. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Asaf. And we're back with special guest Agniti. Hello. Yay! So we are in between seasons, and we have Agniti here to talk about podcasting on this DM podcast. But today, <laughs> we're going to talk about what it takes to get a recorded session from the table to somewhere online we're gonna ignore the technical nitty-gritty like we're not going to tell you what microphones to use or how to set up a hosting thing this is more for someone who's interested in the high level stuff of what goes on in between the scenes when your players leave the table and it shows up online sometimes that can be instant sometimes that might take a while and i guess to kick things off what would you say are the big differences between podcasting for streaming and podcasting for, or <laughs> between playing for <laughs> what would you say are the big differences between playing for an online streaming platform such as YouTube or Twitch versus something that you record, edit and polish later? There's so many differences. I consider them two completely different genres of podcasts, to be honest with you, because the editing is just so much it's that ah, changes everything <laughs> does both in how you approach it and in how in how you host it and in how the audience reacts to it and experiences it i think that streaming is popular because it it is a little bit easier to do you don't mm. have to be as technical if you can set up a couple webcams and a couple of microphones and have a steady internet connection then you can stream up to twitch with a couple of how-to guides Whereas with, I think, podcasting, there is a bit more of that that skills investment where you are expected to polish a little. I think the audience also looks at them differently. Like the streaming, they look at it as like, I'm actually sitting at the table with these players. While if it's recorded ahead of time and released, then it's more of a show or like a television or audio Thing, sitting there in person audience side like they they view it differently right so they have different expectations are they would you say that they are more forgiving of a bad product in a stream or in a podcast i think in a stream because they're absolutely a stream yeah they're looking at it like they're seeing the raw and they know that and they're just it's i think you cake what you get because that's all you get that's what it is it's been accepted you're by consuming it, you've accepted that you're getting a raw product. Yeah. They're it's not going to be polished. It is what it is. And there are people out there who choose that. They're like, I would rather watch the stream than something edited because they like that feel of I want to see what actually is happening. Yeah. And I've seen a couple streams where they did have someone who was just charged with like watching the chat and bringing in that audience interaction. So that I didn't see it work well because Twitch streaming has a minute or two delay. So the audience can yeah. easily feel ignored if they don't understand that. 
So when it comes to editing and post-processing, what are the main goals of editing? Everybody in high school, we all had to take a first draft, edit it into a final draft, and then turn it mm. into English, you know, or the English teacher. What? <laughs> yeah. It starts off in yeah. draft. <laughs> we translate yeah. it. But what are the goals of editing audio? You gotta make it snappy, man. You, it's easy to say. It's taking out the and the pauses and the delay between remote records and all that kind of stuff. But it there's a rhythm that you have to meet that people expect from entertainment. Speaking of, I've noticed that you've said that you pull out everything that isn't content. Can you explain that? Yeah, it's when even when you're recording as an editor, you're thinking is this what I need? What is this content? Is this worth listening to? Is an audience going to be entertained by this? Is this going to lead to the next thing? And doesn't not everything that's said online needs to be heard by the whole world. You got to take out what you don't need to listen to. And it does take a special kind of thought process to figure out exactly what is the pith of your story and what is filler. And sometimes you leave in filler because it's funny. And funny is filler and that's fine. But you have to, it just takes practice of storytelling and consuming media to start recognizing like, hey, this is good and this is entertaining and people are going to enjoy this versus this is going nowhere and this is just people talking to each other. And I'm going to, I'm zoning out while I'm editing it. I don't need somebody else to zone out while they're listening to it. This is painful to listen to. I'll leave it in (laughs) and pass that gift on to the audience. Right. They'll enjoy it. Somebody will. Somebody. <laughs> I yeah. I don't do a lot of editing. I'm going to be right out there and say for the audience. But one thing that I'm always I'm cognizant of, I'm thinking about is this whatever this is going to be referenced later. And I think that's something that if you're too liberal with the scissors, you might cause some confusion. And I think it's an art yeah. form finding right. the right way of doing it. Yeah, you definitely have to have that continuity brain in there, because if all of a sudden everybody's talking about something that happened that you cut, it's it's very hard to go back and put it in for one, because once you cut stuff, it's not gone forever. But to reorganize the timeline around something is a pain in the butt. It comes down to have even when you're recording and well ongoing, you're ha- you have to have a part of your mind that's thinking this isn't getting in. <laughs> yeah. Where is my cut point? Where do I get back into the, what I actually want to be in? Because you, it's not to say that you have to be, you don't want to be at the table and being like, this is boring. We're moving on immediately. That's not fun for anybody. And it it's fun for you me. You want to. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, <laughs> but you want to let like your players play. You don't want it to be a very strict and tough part. Like you don't want people to feel like they're working to be part of the podcast. You want it to be fun. Right. And you have to allow that happen to happen. You have to allow the time for that to happen. But you also have to recognize when you're just having fun at your table and when you're actively entertaining an audience. So if someone came to you and said, I want to start editing a podcast, a, a D&D podcast, how do they get started? How do they assuming that they have a group of people that are willing to show up on a regular basis and speak into mics? How do they go from there? You got to get your recorder, the little thing that you bought when you were in fifth grade and you had to learn how to play an instrument. You get your recorder (laughs) and play hot cross buns. Um, Oh, God. Into the microphone. 
worst. No, I mean, like you, the basic equipment wise, you need the microphones, A. You need a way to record, whether or not that's an external recording, or you're just going to record on your laptop, as most people are willing to do. You get your DAW, your digital audio workspace. <laughs> we had this debate earlier. It, I'm going to yeah. say space. There's a billion and a half how to start a podcast directories out there online because everybody and their mother decided to start one over the pandemic. I use Reaper, love Reaper. I do come from a film background, so I understand my way around an editor. So like crossfades and what I just know the terminology of your more advanced editing software. So picking up Reaper was not a problem for me and didn't have to hold my hand like audacity tends to do with what they do but i like that it's non-destructive i like that it's got it by non-destructive like it doesn't if you apply effect to your file it doesn't create that over with a file that exists and you can go back and undo anything that you already do right it's very important if you're just futzing around yeah and just as a note about a year ago audacity added non-destructive editing to their workflow so Audacity has that too, but it's not as true. They did it too late. <laughs> they did it too late. Yeah. I guess if that exists, I'd have it again. I've opened Audacity twice because I've had to convert a very weird file into something I could work with in Reaper like twice, like in the last three years. And Audacity just absolutely ate RAM on my computer. I don't know what it was about Audacity, but I couldn't get that thing to load. And Reaper does so much more and it does it faster and i don't know what wizardry goes into making that work but it does so do you edit in multiple passes or stages or are you just trying to edit each minute of audio as it comes i do the very unhealthy version of trying to edit everything i possibly can in a single pass the effects workflow of reaper lets me have am i cutting out the room tone at this point and adding deessers and whatnot that just happens automatically at this point through their track recording system that you can just apply effects as soon as you open up your project so i don't have to go through a like a tuning pass for that and then i do after you cut out everything you have the audio of people talking the voice track as i take everything down and put it under that one thing that once that sounds like i can listen to that without rolling my eyes and feeling bad about what i've deciding to put out into the world then i do the music and the background noises and that kind of the sound designing part of it okay yeah we spoke earlier like pre-recording session about sound design and that's not something that i do when i edit i primarily try to with the foremost goal of understandability i shoot to make sure that whole thoughts are all together in one sentence. The audio tuning that I do is making sure that one person isn't super quiet and the other person is super loud, which makes it easier to listen to on cheap headphones or in your car. And after that, I pretty much just trim out everything that isn't podcast and then I hit that publish button. But you do sound design. So can you go a little bit in depth in there? Yeah, sound design for the D&D podcast that we do for me is generally picking the music that's going to be playing quietly behind everything and then maybe an environmental track. I think some real plays get a little bit bogged down and trying to add a sound effect for every single thing that's going on as people are describing it. 
And there's a lot to be said by that's very cool to listen to sometimes. But then there's also, oh, you picked the door that I wasn't thinking I was going to hear slam. And now I'm taken out of it. You just grab a big heavy metal door and then somehow the door effect slot, that sound that gets in there. It sounds like a wooden door. What happened? Like a hollow closet door. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it takes you out of it. So you have to be careful and you have to have a lot of time to do that as well. And our turnaround for the grands is about what four days and i only edit on two of them so (laughs) yeah yeah i also feel that those little bits of sound may not actually add to the story so they may not be worth the time that people are putting into it if they're doing it yeah you have it unless you have all of the sound design like the effects that if you're describing it very specifically because you have that sound in your pocket and you want to put that in your podcast go for it but it does take a lot of time to find the right sound. And even just like you, if you add in footsteps, are the footsteps on the right kind of surface? Or do they sound like they're far away enough from the mic? Or does it sound like the microphone is right next to the footsteps? And now all I hear is footsteps. It, yeah. Every time I hear fully footsteps, I'm always reminded of the footsteps of Grover walking across the stage in Sesame Street because he's this little fuzzy monster, but he always sounds like he's walking around like wood heeled shoes, just like clopping along, which I think adds to the charm of it. But at the same time, it's Sesame Street. It's not trying to convince me that this is a real world that the characters are inhabiting. Yeah, there are. There definitely is a time and place to put footsteps into your podcast. I don't know if it's your real play podcast. Mm. Stick it in your audio drama. Stick it in your epic fantasy thing that you're telling somewhere else. But it's not to say it can't be done well. Just that it's very hard to get. And I think there's a time and place for it. I don't think it's all the time with every episode and every sword draw and every swing of the sword. Yeah, I do. In in the few D&D podcasts that I listen to, the common theme seems to be that they up the sound design during heightened tension where you start to hear like additional music and you start to hear additional sound effects and you think, oh, something special's going on. Yeah. I think even like on the music topic, I prefer something going on in the background at all time. It just gives your mind something to focus on. Right. I know a lot of people don't like that that it's a choice that you make when you're doing it but i think that also when you take the music away that beat of oh there's no sound right now something changed just focusing on the words holy shit is that a moment man. yeah <laughs> yeah star wars episode four one i think best editing and one of the my favorite parts of sound design is when during the trench run, as soon as Vader comes on the scene, the music drops out. Like, you don't get that John Williams score when the big bad threat is around. So it's a change. Yeah. When you are picking out music, though, how do you find the right music and how do you use it appropriately? That is just time. That is a lot of time spent sitting with a library of music from our favorite composer, Alexander Nakarada, going through the 400 or so song that he's put out there. Not, I don't take notes for every track, that's for sure, but I do have organized them into playlists according to the moods that I feel like they're conveying. It's picking from those playlists, but the playlist is not necessarily oh, this is on the chill playlist. It's going to work for this moment because I feel like this is a chill moment. I don't know. It's very down to 
listening and knowing what you have in front of you and what's going on because it's uh, i don't know right it's hard to describe exactly what you're looking for when you're picking out a music track but you know it when you hear it right you're looking that for that feeling yeah as a flip side i've heard you speak about a podcast used music very effectively and they used a particular track to mean danger and then one time that came out of the blue and everyone perked up and nothing happened and it felt like a misfire yeah the uh that nad pod that's for sure just brian murphy not knowing the power behind that track <laughs> i think he just doesn't recognize it didn't recognize the feelings of that because he previously used that only under like death saves and very close misses and this person is about to die unless the dice do something and then in the second season, he just puts that same music in there. Not, it fits the mood. It's creepy. It's a bit scary. It's very dramatic. It does fit the mood. It's just that those mental connections are still there. And who boy, is it a roller coaster to hear something that you relate to something else. And that's something I do think editors need to keep in mind when they're picking their tracks. It's like, where have you used this in the past? What does this mean to people? What are they hearing that as? What does this trigger in their mind if you've used this in a very big moment that people have talked about? Don't use it unless you're actually going to need You need it. Unless that's... It's a cue. It's a, that's why their music is called cues. It's a something that people pick up on and it's not as obvious as somebody speaking, oh, this is happening extremely... This is happening right now and you should be paying attention. But it does perk something up in the back of your head where you're like, oh... Something's changing. Something's going on. Something that I need to be listening to is going to happen. And it becomes a secondary roadmap to what's going on in your podcast is your sound design. Okay. And as we get close to the end here, what does success as an editor mean to you? Rich and famous? (laughs) (laughs) Fame and fortune. Nothing else. It's for me, it's... I have a standard in my head of, is this listenable? Am I actively entertained by what is going into my ears right now? And if I meet that, I'm happy. It, I always get what we do to a point where I'm like, okay, even if I'm not entertained by this, I don't hate that I'm listening to it. <laughs> and comes down to a big part of it is the fact we have microphones that don't suck we have a bare minimum of audio quality that i don't struggle to listen through there i don't leave in when i say something twice because i speak in circles i do listen to podcasts that do leave that in and as i listen i'm always mentally editing them i'm always thinking oh my god this would be so much quicker if we just got to the point because i know that they're getting to a point i just need them to get to it about five seconds before they get to it because I know where the cuts are to make it snappy and listenable and make it entertaining. Right. So I want to ask as a layman on the outside, this sounds like a lot of work and it sounds like, (laughs) it sounds like something that unless it's something you enjoy doing should be something that a actual play podcast group might consider farming out. If they're going to do it uh, wrong. Yes. Uh, if you can't edit, don't edit. That's a very good thing to think. You do have to have the kind of mind that lets you sit down in front of your computer for between four and eight hours 
and you're just looking at a screen and you're looking at waveforms and they're bright colors because you colored the tracks because that keeps you entertained for a little bit longer. <laughs> but you do have to have the patience for it and you do. It's, I'm not going to say, oh, it's, it takes a lot of skill to do it because it's still at the end of the day, clicking and dragging your, your mouse around and making choices about whether or not you're cutting it. It's not beyond anything that anybody who knows how to work a mouse can do, but it does take a lot of time. I don't, I wanna, it doesn't take like a lot of time because I can bang it. I can bang it at Talking Sons in four hours. At this point, I can have got that rhythm down. Grands takes me one day, which is like eight hours, but then I take three hours to look at Discord in between those eight hours kind of thing. Right. So like maybe like more like five and then the next day I add the music because I just can't listen to it like the after I get done with the voice cut. Yeah. How you have to be listen. You have to listen to your own voice a lot and it sucks. But <laughs> well, follow up question. How easy yeah. is it to do it badly? Because if like I'm just coming yeah. in here and I'm just going to try You say it's just moving the mouse around. But like I might I do say that with a background in film editing. So I guess I don't come at it from a completely unlike skilled point of yeah. starting. But like I said, there is a natural rhythm to it that you have to recognize. And it is, it's hard to like on a technical aspect of knowing the various ranges of the human voice and whether or not you can cut that out of the music to bring the point of like the voices up. So the voices are more in the forefront. Like that is something that you can learn just by looking up uh, how frequencies work in editing video on Linda or whatever. But there is, I don't know, there is a natural instinct to editing. I will say that. Hmm. It is easy to just go through it and cut out every point that there is silence and just call it a day or cut out every single time there's an end, just call it a day. It's, again, recognizing what content is. It's recognizing when you need to add an extra beat just to increase the drama of whatever you're putting in there but if you listen to enough stuff you know what you want to hear right so if you know what you want to hear as long as you have the mechanics of i can highlight this part of it and press the x key and all of a sudden the silence is gone once you know how to do that very basic how to make reaper work for your podcast what shortcuts you want to set up what hotkeys you need to set into it it does just come down to it's less of it's less of a physical skill and more of a what do I want to hear skill? Yeah, it is really easy to do it poorly. It is really hard to stay doing it poorly. <laughs> yeah, you get better every single time. Like yes. every single time you open your DAW, you're just like you're figuring out your rhythm just a little bit better. And oh, this definitely sounds like something that you can get into if you find joy in it. But you probably yeah, shouldn't do it. Yeah, you definitely need to find the joy in it. If you hate doing it, you should not do it. Because it's purely a 10,000 hours kind of activity that you're not going to get good at until you put a lot of time in it. And you cannot, the only reason why Talking Sun sounds, or the only reason why The Grand sounds anything close to being okay is the fact that we spent a solid year or two doing Talking Suns first. And I have that whole experience of, playing with the exact same voices on just knowing what they sound like and knowing when I can recognize an um from Jamie in a waveform. I don't even need to listen to it anymore. Yes. Samesies, because I do edit some of my own voice too. Yeah. All right. To speaking of ums, sorry. Mm. No, now I'm self-conscious. So to recap, Uh, get uh some audio, 
get a digital audio workstation like Reaper or Audacity or GarageBand, put some audio in it, and edit to make your ears happy. Yeah, make your ears happy. Definitely look up the which shortcut should I add into Reaper so I can cut stuff out easy and fast and don't like try to pull and straight, you know, definitely figure out the very basics of mechanics for your DAW of choice, but right. do that. <laughs> yeah. If you enjoy it, you'll know you enjoy it within a couple hours, or you'll know you mm. hate it within a couple hours. <laughs> anyway. This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com. Just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle, at Pickled Wizards, or ask on Facebook, at Pickled Wizards. Same page. We might talk about your problem here.